Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, my name is Wayne. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, We are in a new series we started last week called Open the Door and Let Them In. It's a line that I uh, picked out from the song Let Them In, a 1976 song from Paul McCartney and Wings. And if you're wondering, Paul McCartney has still not called me back. But anyway, um, we we, we go on. You know, uh, last week we talked about the message titled um, The Gospel Truth. And this week we're going to talk about... um, who shut the door? <laughs> which which sound, sounds like a funny thing because most of us have grown up hearing this message. Shut the door! Who left the door open? And if you're from the Midwest, you might have heard this. Were you born in a barn? And hardly anybody is born in a barn, but anyway. So um, we're going to, that sounds like reasonable advice. It's great advice. This place was 90 degrees outside. Uh, The uh, uh, air conditioning is running and blasting and, uh, your kids or your grandkids or someone walks out the door completely oblivious to the fact that the door is standing wide open. So shut the door would be our expectation. However, I'm not so sure that's the right attitude with regard to church life, especially with regard to people who do not uh, know Jesus as their Savior. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, who shut the door. Uh, we're going to do so, first of all, by looking uh, uh, real quickly at a very well-known passage that probably most of you know, uh, have read, and it's about Zacchaeus. This comes from Luke chapter 19, and uh, I don't know, if some, some of you probably grew up maybe in uh, Sunday school, go, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Okay, no one. That's one person back here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of you go, I have no idea what he's saying. And uh, others of you now who weren't thinking about that have that song stuck in your head, so you're welcome. But anyway, so what we find out here, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was filthy rich. Wealthy. All right, no, let's go back. Uh, so, uh, here, here's the deal. Most of us, you know, we look at people and, and we make judgment of them. And especially if they have some sort of a reputation. Well, Zacchaeus had a reputation. Uh, Zacchaeus had quite a reputation. You may remember that uh, when Jesus was calling his uh, first disciples, the first apostles, uh, Matthew was one called, he was a tax collector. Uh, the scripture identifies that. He identifies that about himself as a tax collector. This, however, is Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector. Now, you have to understand the tax collectors were usually Romans or people working for the Roman government. They were not uh, Israelites or Jews. And, and so their job was to collect 
taxes. The Jews had no say in civil government at all. Nothing whatsoever to do with their own, how their life was managed by uh, the conquering authority. So their job was to survive. And mostly they were led along for the most part about their religious beliefs and those kinds of things. But they had no say about, do we pay taxes or not? Uh, There were no marches, no revolutions, no social media campaigns, nothing about the taxes are too high. And so even sometimes, surprisingly, you could uh, uh, have the tax letter show up and say, um, your tax is X when the last time it was this. And you go, nothing has changed. But it didn't really matter because the tax collectors could do whatever they wanted, and it was known that they did. So they were sinners. And if you're a chief tax collector, oh my gosh. First of all, we know he was stinking rich. There's no way for people to get money except doing something stinky wrong, right? That's a lie. In this case, it's true. And, and, and it says he was a tax, chief tax collector, so he had oversight over other tax collectors. And he had amassed a major sum from um, not honorable ways. All right? So, he was not only a chief tax collector and a sinner. He was a chief tax collector and a chief of the chief sinners. Okay? So, he has a problem in the standing of those looking around. Now, next. He wanted to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming by that way. Uh, Just in the previous chapter, they had been uh, just outside of Jericho. Jesus had healed someone, been a lot of commotion, lots of uh, uh, really notoriety about what happened. People were talking, the news was spreading fast. And so uh, as he came into Jericho, people were expecting to meet him. And, And look at this, isn't it strange? Or maybe not. That a chief of the chief sinners wanted to see Jesus. It's so easy for us to pigeonhole people, isn't it? To assume that, well, (laughs) by that reputation, good gravy. Let's just stay away from them. They don't want anything to do with Jesus anyway, so we know that. It's certain, we've decided, they don't care, we don't care about them. Um, Next. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, very interesting that Zacchaeus would, uh, we're told that he welcomed him gladly. Well, this time he had heard Jesus speaking. He had had heard of some of what Jesus was testifying to, but he welcomed him gladly. It is sometimes very surprising to people who are open to the message, not just 
because they don't have anything better to do, but are curious, curious, truly interested, and willing to commit. You receive Jesus gladly, it says. Celebrate, wow, 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 that's amazing. Praise the Lord, et cetera, et cetera. All the people saw this and began, all the church people, and began to mutter. It's going to be a guest of a sinner. When I was just starting uh, out in ministry, my first assignment was uh, planting a church, starting a church from scratch. My wife was with us. Uh, we uh, knew this much about starting a new church and showed. Um, but at any rate, uh, uh, this was an acceptable and taught practice at that time in 1985. As I was going around the town, I was in knocking on doors and having some simple questions that were a questionnaire, uh, kind of getting the pulse of where people were at in the neighborhood. Uh, I came across Karen. Karen was a young single mom. She had three children, young children, all by different fathers. She was a chain smoker. Her house looked like she had three small children. And she was a heavy drinker. Amazingly, this was not the, this was not the kind of person I was looking for as one of my first attenders to our church, new church. But Karen, lo and behold, I stumbled through uh, talk and then gospel presentation, and she gave her life to the Lord. And now thirty years later, 30 plus, she's sober, has been that sober that long, I should say, has been sober that long, and she's been married to the same guy for just a little under 30 years. She's a faith-filled, um, uh, enthusiastic, confident, praying person who lives in Colorado now. But lo and behold, who knew? Okay. Uh, see, there's a, there's, there's a big deal here. We often think of the people who need Jesus are caring. <laughs> Those are the kind of people who need caring. Zacchaeus needed Jesus also. It doesn't matter whether you're down and out or whether you're up and out. You still need Jesus is the bottom line. And Jesus is the same person to the down and out as he is to the up and out. Um, in the last several weeks, I've received a letter from... Um, someone who was upset with the church and uh, uh, has chose to leave. Among, among their list of issues was they're aware, and assume we must not be aware, that this person regularly um, was associating with sinners. And so, I know the person, I know them well. Yes, I know they're associated with sinners. And specifically in the realm that was referred to, they do that on purpose to make connections with a crowd of people that they have a natural tie to 
And you know, when I, was, when, I, when I grew up, and maybe some of you did too, the notion of, of I grew up in a believing household, the notion of hanging out with you know, sinners or people not just really in it with, with the Lord was, you don't do that because you, you might, might get tainted somehow. Which says a whole lot about your faith in the God who lives in you, right? Uh, but anyway, it's a sad, sad thing that church people sometimes get the attitude that, well, we're not going <laughs> to... Yes, they need Jesus. They sure do. Jesus, go get them. <laughs> so, all right. Next one. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. One of the marks uh, of a person coming to the Lord is repentance. Turning around from where they were headed and going a different direction. He says, here and now. He made a decision to change it happened inside of him. If you remember last week, if you weren't here last week, we'll look at this real quick. We said, belief and the Lord is really what makes the difference. Believing or trusting, because trust is belief that changes how you live. Trust in the Lord is belief that changes how you live. It's not just a prayer. It's not just a Sunday habit. It's a belief that changes how you live. So. One of the things we did, uh, one of the things uh, we're going to look at here in this last section is Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. We're not going to go into Jewish, why that's important in the Jewish uh, realm, but for the son of man, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Salvation is needed. Jesus came to seek and save. Save from what is the question that we really wrestled with last week in the gospel truth. Saved from what? Uh, the gospel is bad news. It starts with bad news. All right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone sins. We're not just mistakers. Okay? Everyone sins. Uh, sin equals missing the mark. That's true, but we have to understand what miss the mark means. What mark? Mark is perfection in God's sight. <laughs> well, I can't do that. Sounds really unreasonable. And our ability to make us hit the mark or be righteous, right in the fullness of perfection in God's standard, is, is, is worthless. It's like oil-stained, grime-soaked rags laying on a floor in comparison to the perfection that Jesus is looking, that God is looking for. So, the wages, what we've earned for being sinners is death, eternal death. Death at the end of this life. This life ends, and we get to live a, in hell when we die. It's a life, if you will, but it's a living death. Because there's weeping, gnashing of teeth, fire, torment that goes on and on and on and on. Really bad news. True news. Okay. But the gospel, the good news, is this. The good news is that Jesus is God's provision to save us from sin and give us eternal life, all which we cannot do on our own. That's the gospel. That's what we looked at last week. 
What is the gospel? What's the gospel truth? Uh, what's true? What do you need to know? What is the gist of the gospel? You can define gospel all kinds of different ways, unfortunately, because people do. But what does the Bible say? The gospel is the good news that Jesus saves us from our sins and has therefore given us the ability to have everlasting life in perfection when we die here on this earth, we live for him with ever in heaven. But we have to understand something. There's some exclusive claims by Jesus that, that are essential that we have to understand if we're going to be a true believing Christian. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, not one single person, nobody on earth, no one ever has, no one ever will come to the Father except by me. Always do not lead to heaven. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which uh, we must be saved. Jesus alone. So here's the deal. It's a challenging deal for those of us in this society today. Uh, you're not a Christian if you like Jesus' teaching. You're not a Christian just because you believe he's a nice guy. You're not a Christian just because you think he was a, a really good example. You're not a Christian just because you love how he loved people. The only way you become a Christian, a believer, a Christ follower, is you put your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save you from your sin, which all of us have. Now, I don't know why you come to Life Church. I don't know what got you here in the first place. I don't know what your perspective about Jesus is. But, but here's the thing we have to wrestle with. It's not just a choice. We're really fine here with people having questions and, and wondering and honestly searching out uh, their journey with Jesus. But what we're not okay with is you never being confronted with the need that you have to make a decision. It's your decision, but you have to make a decision. Are you placing your trust in Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord in life now? That's the issue, all right? <clears throat> So, um, this brings us and drives us to the mission of Life Church. The mission, you know, you go to an organization, some of you work in organizations, and maybe you were part of a team that was all brought together, and you worked on a mission statement, a value statement, uh, a vision statement, and, you know, whatever slants on statements uh, that uh, your boss subscribed to. And... Sometimes you go and you work this over and you get it real fine-tuned and, you know, saying, well, you know, it's not real memorable. We can't, we can't memorize that. So you get it all scoped out and finally you're just going, that's, that's good. Send it out to your, to your peers in other companies or other churches and say, pretty good, huh? And then set it aside. And the issue is for us, if we have a mission it's the barometer by which we then look to see, are we hitting what we say our mission is? Are we doing it? Now, this is kind of a generic, it sounds like, 
It could be kind of a generic mission. I'm going to define it just a little bit further. But it says this, the mission of Life Church is to create an atmosphere where people can become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. The mission of Life Church is to create an atmosphere, not just here, in the whole sphere of the way we do church. Create an atmosphere where people can become uh, fully devoted, and, and, and we teach in, in um, launch, launch Step what fully devoted means to us. Uh, and it's a measurable thing. Uh, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That, that's our mission. So the mission starts with we're looking for people, we're aware there are people who need to come to Jesus and develop into fully mature, devoted followers of Jesus. But how does that start? They give their life to Jesus first. There's no growth if there's no decision. So that's, that's, that's the driving focus. That's the driving focus. God has blessed our church uh, with all kinds of great people. Um, uh, on staff, in the, at all campuses, uh, Cedar Rapids, Wilton, right here in Coralville. And so, so we're able to do things that I think are really great quality. I think, I think our production stuff is good. I think, um, I think the worship environment uh, is attractive. I think our worship team is strong, all kinds of things. I think uh, we don't have to be embarrassed about a lot of those kinds of things, the things we put out. Um, but the mission of the church is not a show. It's salvation. The mission of the church is not a show. It's a savior. So the question is, are we meeting the mission that we've stated should be the mission of all churches? All right, that's the question. So uh, what we're about really is creating an open door mentality, an open the door mentality, an open the door mentality. What does that look like? It simply is this, make it easy for people to find Jesus at Life Church. Open the door, let them in, subtitled, making it easy for people to find Jesus at Life Church. So if you, you come in, yes, and I mean finding, I mean committing, all right? Entering into a relationship with Jesus, not, not, not just hearing about him or hearing nice things and good things. And, oh, they do such great outreach. That's servolution stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, but there's a purpose behind it, okay? So um, the issue really comes down to this. Can God trust life church with people who are looking to find Jesus. There are Zacchaeuses and there are Karens everywhere right here in our community. The up and out, the down and out, the in-betweens. And the question is, if God says, I have been working in their life, and I'm ready for them to have an encounter with the message of the gospel. Where could I send them for that to happen? I'm talking about just on Sunday morning at the moment. There's more to, to church life than Sunday morning, but I'm talking about Sunday morning at the moment. Where could I send them to so that they would hear it and be able to make a decision and be taken care of after the decision? 
Is Life Church a place I could do that? That's what he's asking. And, and, and so it's, it, it's a real challenge to me. Um, you know, one of the things that, that really got stripped bare and uh, was really clarified uh, in the midst of the pandemic about the church in the United States particularly is that most churches post-pandemic, when they opened again and for a long time thereafter, uh, were averaging in attendance, if attendance is a value, attendance 30 to 50% of what attendance had been. And we were there too. What really says is <laughs> how many of our people really were trusting in Jesus in a way that changes their life. Church attendance doesn't save you. Okay? It's trusting Jesus to save you, but it's one of the then growth provisions and, and declarations Jesus has for people to grow up. And so uh, the other thing that just really disturbs me for quite a while now is this. And if you're fairly new here and went to another church before you came here, please hang on. I, I, I don't be offended. But the majority of strength we have here at Life Church in terms of mature believers are people who came with that strength from somewhere else. They weren't raised up, grown up spiritually here. Now, a lot of us know about uh, things falling apart in the church and you have to you know, we have to find another church, and we know all about that. And people move in, and they bring their strength with them. Thank you, Lord. But, but, but the real uh, rub about all that is, how, how are we doing <laughs> about taking people immediately when they have an opportunity to, to accept Jesus, to place their trust in Jesus, and they hear how to do that, and then they are given tools very quickly, not left alone. Not hope you make it. Here's a Bible. I know you have no idea how to use a Bible, but here you go. You know, that kind of thing. And think we're doing a good job. All right, so that's the challenge. Um, <clears throat> how did the door get shut in the first place? That's the question. Fair question. And I would just surmise this. Most people see the church in America as a vendor of religious services. From this perspective, members are viewed more as customers for whom religious goods and services are produced. Next one. Churchgoers expect the church to provide a wide range of religious services and products, such as great worship, great music, great preaching, great children's programming, uh, small groups, parenting seminars, specialized programs for every slice of the church, etc. Um, and we've just chosen not to be a program church. I'll explain a little more about that in a minute. But uh, the, the deal is. Um, but what about the mission? We, we're naturally bent towards surviving ourselves, so we want to take care of ourselves. We're unwilling to believe that being part of a small group, studying a book of the Bible, is uh, with relationship with each other, responsibility for each other. Uh, it's a legitimate discipleship tool, but it's the most effective discipleship tool. Doing life, rubbing shoulders with other people. Do you know, have you ever rubbed shoulders with other people? 
There's some work to be done sometimes in them and in you. Um, so, what we decided is we want to do four things well. Here's what we're doing as a church. We want to do four things well. Um, so we're not a program church building all kinds of programs, extensive ministries, extensive men's ministry, extensive women's ministry. Uh, the church is the ministry. Bringing people to Jesus is the ministry. Those places, those things, we have them uh, in limited amounts, which is a, a burden to saddle for some people. But those are gathering places where people can come into the sacred environment and get drawn in to the deeper life of life church. Okay? Yeah, uh, it involves getting in a little deeper. But we want to lead people to salvation in Jesus. We want to provide inspiring worship service. And we're just getting, we are just really, in my estimation, becoming aware of the power of corporate worship. It's not just a, well, we've got to fill the first 20 minutes of the service with something. <laughs> Okay. Uh, facilitate life-giving small groups and engage in world-changing outreach. Those are the four things we want to do well at. The first and the last, the sandwich, the front end and the back end, are about outside us. The two middle ones are inside us. Okay. So that's what we're after. So how are we working to get the door open? A couple things here. Um, we're making the gospel unavoidable. We're trying making that much more the focus and measuring everything we do by the, I mean, I mean, can we, how many have been saved? How many have been baptized? Those kinds of things. Now, it's not about getting people saved by cajoling them. But do we have any, anything to say about, uh, we're doing the job. Um, uh, but uh, I'm just saying this today. So that's part of it, articulating the gospel as a priority. Number two, staffing that reflects our priority. Uh, in two weeks from today, uh, it'll be the second anniversary of uh, the church, uh, of the campus in Cedar Rapids. So we hired a campus pastor and another staff for up there. Uh, in September, it'll be one year anniversary of the Wilton campus. Uh, we hired a, church, a campus pastor for there and uh, another staff person for there. Uh, two years ago, coming out of the pandemic, we understood along with all other uh, churches that Everyone is online. S silly thing to say. <laughs> Lots of people are other places too, but everyone is online. Not the least because of this. So, uh, if we're going to reach people, part of our message has to be a very fine-tuned uh, uh, cadre of materials we're putting out uh, social media postings, all those kinds of things that truly are inviting people to connect with us, ask questions, and get additional information, taking another step and another step and another step. And it's, it's, it's really hard work to do that intentionally. Not just to put it out there. Ah, that's kind of cool, right? All church people, did you see that? I made that. That's nice. No, is it, is it moving people, asking anybody to go to another step? And can they tell how to do that? So... Um, uh, we added a, a director of digital strategy, um, Ben Stadler. Uh, this year we, at, we added another staff person, um, and that was Amy, just standing right up here, who is an utter delight. Um, but uh, uh, for uh, foundation and care director, foundation primarily, giving attention first and foremost to uh, new believers. Uh, does the uh, 
prayer team have what they need to lead someone to Jesus? Does the prayer team know what to do to give to the person uh, so they walk away with something and not just, well, <laughs> God go with you uh, kind of thing. Uh, and then there's someone following up immediately, no matter how we find out about somebody who's given their life to Jesus, immediately that they're teamed with another group of people who are building them up and, and leading them. And she's building teams to do that. Uh, we're, we're infant steps here at this point. But the priority is bringing G people to Jesus and then growing them from there. That's the mission. And then the other thing, um, oh, here, here's a quick, uh, um, oh, invite people to come. <laughs> yes, this is for all of us, invite people to come. You know, most people don't come unless they're invited. Invite, invite, invite. The social media stuff that we're, we're doing can be shared, can be shared. It's meant to be shared. <gasps> I have to expose that I'm part of those Jesus people. You don't have to preach, just share it. And, and you can even ask, it is so surprising the number of people you ask invite to come to church with you. Not hitting over the head, not threatening them. Just a simple invitation. Just like you went to go to the, go to the ball game or whatever. And I'll say yes or no. You'll be interested to find out how many people will say yes. Not everyone. Invite. We have to do a better job of inviting. We will be prepared here if you invite. It's wildly more effective than some mass uh, media campaign of some sort. Okay? Invite. And uh, quick assistance for new believers. Uh, I described some of that, of what Amy is doing and, and the team she's developing with all your help. Uh, one of them, I'm just going to share something. Um, you know how hard it is in today's society? Let's back up and go this way. There are companies who produce Bibles, uh, New Testaments, uh, in mass quantities, very cost-effectively, cheaply, we'll say, uh, for new believers. And you can get one of those Bibles for a dollar fifty. You can get them in bulk. You can't read it. You need a magnifying glass, even if you're 19. And the pages turn brown as soon as you take them out of the, uh, out of the box. And the King James Version, which no one speaks the King's English in the United States. In 1611, when that version was, was translated, it's not the same language we speak here today. 1611, 1711, 1811, 1911, we've left that scene. Now, I'm not trying to offend, I may, but I'm not trying to offend someone who is, has allegiance to the King James Version. If you grew up on that, I understand that. But what are you willing to do to say it's about salvation, not about me? Could you at least do the new King James Version? It is important. It shows where our focus is or is not. Okay? So, thank you for not throwing your King James Bibles at me. All right, so, to get a Bible that has helps in it, that you could read, not knowing anything about the Bible, uh, 
is attractive, has all kinds of sections, explanation, questions answered, costs about $10 to $12. When I went looking for a couple of years ago, this still is the, the best one I find. Uh, it's not in the NIV, that's my preferred. It's in the New Living Testament. So what? We're not going to spend $1.50 on a person who just came to Jesus. We'll spend the 10. Yeah, it's more costly, but we're not lying to ourselves that we're being really effective because we're distributing a whole lot of uh, uh, covers and pages that no one's reading or knows how to make use of. Okay? So I'm talking serious, serious focus on bringing people to Jesus. All right. All right, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head at all the campuses as well as here. Close your eyes and bow your head. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to pray together uh, a one-sentence prayer. I'm going to read it out loud so you know what we're praying, and, it, and you can agree whether that's your, your heart or not, but here it is. Lord, make me and open the door, Jesus follower. Lord, make me and open the door, Jesus follower. Yes, Lord. Okay, maybe you're here for the first time or the first time you've heard or felt this stirring inside of you and, and you say, I, I, I've never committed to Jesus in the way you described today, Wayne. always willing to bring new people into the family. All you have to do is say, I believe. And I'm gonna, you don't have to say this out loud. I'm just going to say, even right now where you're sitting right now, you can just pray this right after me. And you're, you're praying to the Lord. You're just telling him, uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for saving me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I place my trust from this day forward in Him. It's a lot I don't know, but I know there'll be people to help me. Thank you, Lord. All right. In just a moment, we're going to be standing like we always do and singing one more song. Um, when we do, if you need prayer, there are going to be prayer uh, members of our prayer team at the corners. Uh, just come right away. If you need prayer, just come right away. Don't wait. You don't have to wait until the uh, song is over. And we ask people not to leave at this time unless it's an emergency and you have to. This is a really important time because here, here's the deal. The last thing on that five list was pray them over the line. Right now, at this point in the service, uh, you should still be engaged if you're an believer. So, oh man. <laughs> We're almost done. No, it's a, I'm Joining the fight in prayer right now. God, in Jesus' name, take these people who are searching for you and are reluctant or fearful or been hurt by church life or whatever it is and help them make the commitment. All right, let's stand. If you need prayer for anything, go to the sides. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that you will draw everyone who needs prayer in Jesus' name.